Hi, I'm Jayant Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. This episode is part of our Expert View series on COVID-19 and the various developments associated with the outbreak. Today we take a look once again at the labor market and approach it from a short and long-term perspective. Restrictions have been lifted in some parts of the country and in some sectors, though the national lockdown is in place till the 3rd of May. As we record this segment today, we have completed exactly 1 month of the lockdown. So those areas that have seen some restrictions lifted, however, are disproportionately in rural areas or outside municipal limits. What will this do to the balance between rural and urban labor markets assuming as we can that it will be a while before normal economic life returns in urban areas? Taking a slightly longer view, will seasonal workers who have returned to their villages either after the announcement of the lockdown or preceding it for other farming activities be willing to return to urban areas? will they be willing to migrate far from their homes as they once did to find employment i'm discussing these possible compositional changes in the labor market today with labor economist kr sham sundar who teaches at the xlri institute in jamshedpur professor sundar is an expert on industrial relations and is on the editorial board of the indian journal of labor economics we map some possible changes in the labor market in this conversation and also take the opportunity to look ahead to policy and legislative frameworks that can be built to avert this kind of crisis in the future dr sham sundar welcome to the hindus in focus podcast thank you for joining us today thank you so uh, some restrictions of the lockdown have been lifted from april 20th though we're still in the middle of the lockdown it's going to go on till the 3rd of may um you know though several districts fall in the category of hotspots or worst affected so there won't be an easing of restrictions in those areas a few states have also announced that they will not ease restrictions and in addition we know that over 50% of the coronavirus cases in india are basically concentrated in 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 15 cities and these include big urban centers like delhi bombay and chennai um it's fair to say i think that it's going to take a fair bit of time for urban economies at least to get restarted so i wanted to get your opinion on how this will affect the labor market yeah uh, uh, when we look at the home ministry notification uh, issued on the 15th of april if you just look at the economic activities that have been opened up it shows that uh, two, more than two thirds of the economic activities uh, that have been opened up are in the rural areas or uh, beyond the municipal limits whereas the e- economic activities that have been released in the urban areas have been very selective for example the pune municipal entire pune municipal ad- uh, administration area has been uh, designated as a containment zone so there are uh, basically two implications in the sense that economic activities in the rural areas will witness a tremendous uh, spike in Uh, say farming or narega or rural industrial activities uh, and at the same time the demand for labor in the rural sector will considerably increase i mean the more pertinent question uh, relates to the migrant workers uh, i would i would like to uh, discuss uh, this is- issue at length uh, basically there are two types of migrant workers uh, uh, those who have some kind of uh, quasi permanent or uh, even casual jobs in various industries 
and they have been long rooted in the urban informal sector. I would call them as rooted migrants for simplicity's sake. And then there are others like seasonal migrants who are footloose, who go from one economic zone to another economic zone to find jobs. On the other hand, uh, we also need to speak of the stress migration, that is the people trying to um, run away from the urban zones uh, to their home states. Uh, probably some 10 to 20% of them had uh, safely migrated uh, prior to the lockdown. And uh, the labor supply uh, will increase in the rural areas uh, as a result of uh, not only the local uh, people available and also the added uh, um, migrants who have uh, uh, successfully migrated from the urban areas. Now, uh, uh, these people will, uh, will add to the labor supply. As a result, the uh, market wages in the rural areas might see a decline. On the other hand, the demand for labor in, the, uh, in those uh, uh, rural areas where the rabbi crop is being har harvested uh, will push up the wages. So the net effect will depend on the supply and demand factors. But most of these uh, footloose migrant workers may not want to return to the urban areas for two reasons. One, uh, they know that normal economic life in urban areas will take a lot of time. And secondly, uh, if they are not uh, in, in the states where the rabbi crop uh, harvesting is done, they would like to depend on the Narega scheme, work under Narega scheme. And they would like to think that, okay, I'm going to get 100 days of work and uh, uh, that would be about more than three months of time. And then uh, let, me th let me take a decision whether to go back to my uh, uh, host state again or not after three to four months. You see, the migrant workers have their own rationalities, which do not strictly conform to the neoclassical economic theory. Now, the, there are other migrant workers who would have wanted to flee but uh, have been held back because of the closure of boundaries. And uh, I, I have to say that uh, political class as well as the enforcement officials have not appreciated the fact that these people were looking for uh, family, the emotional support that the family and uh, other kith and kin would give them in their home stations. But anyway, for the time being, interstate migration has been banned. So they have to stay. They are trapped migrants. I must also state here that there have been press reports that many of the migrant workers have been evicted from their residences in the home states or the, because the construction workers have stopped and they wouldn't have been, the, uh, the builders wouldn't have been able to provide shelter and they are not able to go back to their hometown because even the hometown, they are not willing to receive them for fear of uh, they being uh, uh, carriers of the disease. So so let us say some, I mean, these works, many of these workers are put in the relief uh, centers and uh, these people are likely to be uh, re-employed. So just to interrupt there, um, there is an issue now where several employers feel or are apprehensive about labor shortages that there will not be enough labor to resume their activities or their businesses. Is this a short-term view according to you, or do you think uh, this is a trend that could play out over a longer period of time? Now, uh, employers have been uh, saying that there is going to be labor shortage or labor supply deficit in the urban areas. But I, I'm, I'm tempted to think that uh, this is not an exactly true. There may be labor deficit, but not the kind of gravity that the employers are talking. 
you know very well that the cmi has estimated uh, even underestimation that more than 23% of unemployment exists uh, in the nation and uh, and uh, add to that uh, uh, that many industries are wanting to uh, employ workers so on the supply side there will be people wanting to work on the demand side uh, uh, industries are wanting workers so the labor deficit story is overplayed i should think but now let us look at the medium to long run i have talked about the short run i expect some the migrants behavior to change uh, for a couple of reasons now the first thing that uh, this covid uh, has left a, a deep socio psychological scar uh, in the migrants who have not been able to uh, uh, you know cross the boundaries to their home states so they are uh, and of course those who have uh, successfully gone they are going to think what if something like this kind of a corona or some other kind of calam- calamity happens what will happen to me should i go should i do long distance migration again or should i look for some jobs in the neighborhood in that sense there is going to be some kind of a compositional change in migration patterns but i must also uh, make a mention here that the rooted migrants who are who have strong labor market roots uh, with the host states they are bound to stay back and even if they have gone they are going to return but to sum it up i expect that in the short run then the industries may may face a marginal labor deficit in the urban areas on the other hand a slightly higher labor supply in the rural areas but in the medium run there will be equilibrating forces that will take place during the normal times which may take about 5 to 6 months from now onwards the situation may limp back to a new normal um you know so a more recent trend that we have seen with regard to the movement of labor is the movement from north to south um we can see here for instance in tamil nadu that the labor market in the state at least has changed quite substantially and i'm talking about the urban labor market a lot now these are of course trends that have been taking place over the last 10 years or so perhaps even going back further now do you see mappings like this changing both because of people being reluctant to migrate further and also we are looking at a growing unemployment rate and number and that could lead to other tensions over migration as well again this has to be seen with uh, some kind of a uh, social political factors that are that have played out in recent times uh, several southern states like states like karnataka andhra telangana for instance have announced to reservation uh, in jobs for the sons of the soil this is because of the tremendous bulge in migrant workers in these states historically there uh, uh, people from workers from bihar and up were were called uh, the typical migrants uh, but now uh, the pe- people from eastern and northeastern states have also uh, joined the list of migrants and uh, typically a migrant laborer will underbid in the labor market and would be willing to work for lower wages and this is uh, not a, a local phenomenon it is also a global phenomenon that is why lot of countries are erecting walls in order to curb uh, labor mobility in fact president trump is contemplating closing the uh, immigration in order to protect uh, the great american jobs right. uh, so there is a kind of a political and social backlash and migrants are seen typically as job thieves and the, and the governments uh, try to play the populist game by making reservations for jobs uh, 
typically in the government sector and also urge the private sector to do so. But it may not have the kind of margin adverse effects that might be thought of. So job reservation notifications are more for political signaling than for pragmatic labor market uh, action. So to some extent, it will be affected. Um, uh, I mean, uh, employment opportunities for migrants will be affected, not to the extent that I should imagine. So uh, jobs in urban areas will be available uh, for uh, migrants, if not pre-COVID level, at least uh, to a large extent. And uh, the, I mean, what will what will the migrants who have gone back to the rural areas do? At best, they can get 100 days of employment uh, under MG Narega. I'm talking of ideal scenario. But uh, if one looks at the historical uh, data, uh, for the last five, six years, the average number of days of job uh, offered under MG Narega has not gone beyond 55. How many right. how many ditches can can you can people dig or how many canals can be built or water bodies can be provided? So there is a limit to it. And now look at the unemployment rates. So we must we should look at the unemployment rates that the CMA has projected for the macro, which is 23-24%. And if you look at the youth unemployment rate, which is already 30%, would have even galloped to 40%. So uh, the locals or the migrants, they are not uh, going to bother about what kind of jobs uh, am I going to get so long I will get a job. So the locals who have earlier shunned jobs, they are not going to do that. They are going to take it up. Now, uh, I mean, at least I see some, uh, some philosophical uh, good point emerging out of this uh, social uh, steering pot. Socially, the people, uh, we are all converging on the idea of universality of dignity of labor. And I should also mention here, this huge COVID crisis will also create uh, tremendous positive spin-offs. Now, people at the helm, the policymakers and trade unions, industries have realized that we need to build institutional legal frameworks with regard to migrant workers, precarious workers, casual workers, and so on and so forth. So that means we are going to have a lot of reforms which will provide these workers with some sense of security, which the ILO has also uh, talked about in uh, various ways. And in fact, the ILO director, again, Ms. Walter Dugmer, has pointed out that there are four pillars of uh, uh, policy actions that ILO talked about, and one of them is uh, to uh, to not only offer fiscal stimulus, but also offer protection to workers at the enterprises through various mechanisms. I think I'll take it up uh, uh, when we come to right, right. Those are all interesting points. So yeah, you did talk about possible, uh, you know, positive policy interventions to protect labor, and that kind of leads me to my last kind of overall question. Because this is, of course, you know, people have been seeing the situation with migrant laborers over the past, well, it's been over a month now. And it's been noted that the biggest problem is that there is a kind of lack of safety net, uh, both social and economic. And so, you know, how can we take this opportunity? You kind of address that toward the end of your uh, last yeah, answer. I'll, I'll, to I'll, address, yeah, yeah, yeah please, yeah, please go I'll, ahead. I'll yeah. just be brief about it. I think uh, there are three kinds of measures. One is... Uh, legislative, second one is administrative, third one is uh, the role of the private sector. There are a couple of, uh, there are three codes which are pending uh, before the parliament. 
which is the occupational safety and health and working conditions code, the social security code and the IR code. For me, the social security code and the occupational safety and health code will be the major players in order to address uh, the huge concerns relating to the unorganized uh, workers, which would largely include the migrant workers. Now, uh, I would I would uh, I would make brief mentions. For example, the, the these two codes, like wage code, must become universal in coverage and formalize all kinds of wage employment contracts and provide income support uh, to uh, the self-employed and of course uh, all kinds of uh, social protection um, as per the ILO uh, recommendation. Uh, which I think is called the Social Protection Flows Recommendation 2012, uh, which talks about uh, uh, maternity benefit, health insurance, gratuity where applicable, old age benefits, disablement and dependent benefits, unemployment insurance and assistance. I, I, I stress this very, very important point. If we had an unemployment insurance or assistance program in, uh, in place, much of the COVID crisis could have been effectively dealt with. And even the Unorganized Workers Social Security Act 2008 has not been implemented at all, either by the UPA government or by the NDA government. Again, I would like to quote ILO. ILO has said that effective social dialogue mechanisms, trust among the constituents of uh, industrial relations systems, that is the government, the industry, and the trade unions, international labor standards, they all provide strong foundations to prepare policy responses to have a sustained and equitable recovery. Secondly, right. I asked for uh, putting in place uh, a wide set of real-time auditing and enforcement mechanisms. Now, what we have is post hoc uh, enforcement data, either the Comptroller, Auditor General, CAG reports, or the inspection reports. Now, the, the new technology, the, uh, like big data analytics, provide uh, enough opportunities for us uh, to get real-time data with respect to uh, hundreds of social welfare programs and labor laws uh, codes that we have. Uh, I mean, the government should create a portal and all the workers must be given a uh, certain identity card and uh, online access. And all the all the compliance and grievances should be registered on this portal. And uh, the, this, this portal must be monitored by yeah, an independent panel comprising representatives of labor, civil society organizations, government representatives, and industry representatives, and they must be immediately addressed. So we, have, we will have real-time data to know how much of uh, things that have been promised uh, are being realized. And this will help. And uh, finally, I would uh, say that the private sector need to invest uh, uh, when, when they make good money during times of prosperity in, of the business uh, uh, cycle. They must invest uh, for their own sake in, for the crisis times to come. The corporate tax and CSR are not sufficient. They should come up with some kind of a voluntary social sharing of wealth by allocating a certain proportion of supernormal profits uh, in a national fund and the government uh, and the work workers should make uh, proportionate, uh, you know, equitable contributions to that. 
so we should build a crisis fund and where the uh, the corporates private sector should play a large role and uh, all the stakeholders will be, would be able to use this uh, uh, you know the social welfare fund during the kinds of crises that we are seeing now so i should say that uh, investing in risk management by creating social welfare crisis management fund is the need of the hour and this can be built through social dialogue tripartite mechanism and by respecting the international treaties particularly the ilo and the united nations treaties and of course we have this classic constitution and i think that is the solution if at all a powerful lesson that covid crisis has shown is that we must be prepared in many ways to face the crisis of this sort okay sir thank you thank you so much